Well, good morning. Glad that you are all here today and uh, excited that as we come into a time of year, uh, there's just different opportunities to share uh, what we have to offer the world, and that is Jesus Christ. And so I'm glad that you're here with us in person. Those of you joining us online, again, those that are here in Casper as well as around the United States and even around the world joining us live here this morning. So thanks for being together. I do want to say a big thank you to this congregation, again, always for your generosity. Uh, we're at a time of year where uh, we're doing Thanksgiving boxes, and again, those are available uh, downstairs. Make sure to, to, for those of you who have been contacted to pick those up. There's Operation Christmas Child boxes that will be uh, being delivered around the world. Uh, appreciate those who have have given towards that, and just again, just the, the normal giving of this congregation is amazing to see God using you to further his kingdom, and uh, we appreciate uh, everything that, that you're doing from a financial standpoint, but then also just for a relational standpoint, the way that you are impacting the world that you live in, advancing the kingdom because of your willingness to be used by God. And that kind of leads into the message from Colossians today. We're getting close to the end of Colossians. And the title of today's message is God Opens Doors. God Opens Doors. And I wonder how many of us this morning have experienced the, the praying for God to give us an opportunity. God, please open a door for me to make a difference in this world, to advance your kingdom, to share the truth of your word of your son, and then God gives us that opportunity, and then we are scared to go through the door, right? Anybody experience that besides me? Okay. It, it, it's a struggle at times, that fear that can overwhelm us when it comes to walking through the doors that God has given us and has opened up for us. August, sec, excuse me, August 12, 1944, the Allies nearly surrounded the German 7th and 5th Panzer Armies during Operation Cobra. General Omar Bradley described the situation stating, this is an opportunity that comes to a commander not more than once a century. We're about to destroy an entire hostile army and go all the way from here to the German border. General Patton's third army began to close the 25-mile gap, but Bradley, now second-guessing himself, ordered Patton to stop at Argentin. Bradley, along with Field Marshal Montgomery and other commanders, left the Falaise Gap open for 10 days, allowing 100 to 240,000 German soldiers and 30,000 vehicles to escape. Colonel H.R. McMaster described it this way, Patton was biased always towards seeing the opportunities, other commanders were biased towards seeing the dangers. Finally, on August 21st, the gap was closed, and the remainder of the German army, which hadn't yet escaped, was obliterated. 15,000 German soldiers were killed, 50,000 were captured, and over 500 German tanks were lost. This finally ended the Battle of Normandy, and France was freed within days. After the war, Allied commanders agreed that waiting to close the gap had been a colossal mistake. And we, as the body of Christ today, find ourselves in a similar situation. We can either win it all or lose it all in our lifetimes. 
When was the last time you shared the most important thing in your life with someone else? And that's what it really boils down to. As we look at these verses this morning, what kept running through my mind is this concept of just sharing the most important thing that you have in your life with someone else. When was the last time you did that? Do you, do you look at sharing Jesus with someone as an opportunity or a danger? Will you pray with me? Father, this morning, I pray as we spend time in your word that, again, your Holy Spirit would direct our thoughts and our minds, that we would be attentive to your word as we hear from you this morning. May my words be your words, and it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. If you are able and willing this morning, will you stand as we turn to Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, he, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You may be seated. And so as we look at these verses this morning, I just want to give you a simple outline. It's this. Pray, walk, and talk. All right? Pray, walk, and talk. That's the simple outline this morning. And some of you are thinking, all right, is that the end of the sermon? All right, we got it. Pray, walk, talk, we're out of here. Not quite so fast, all right? Okay? I want to unpack this a little bit this morning. If you're going to see God open doors in your life for you to share Jesus with someone else, then it all begins with prayer. We must pray with purpose. We must pray with purpose. Charles Finney was a former lawyer turned preacher by the call of God. And Charles Finney was one of the key figures during the Second Great Awakening in 19th century America, which touched virtually every aspect of life in this country and Finney, sometimes called America's foremost revivalist, he, he went out and, and he, he did amazing things for the kingdom of God, and, and there's no doubt that God had his hand on him. And in seven years in which Finney was an evangelist, there were an estimated 500,000 conversions. His ministry in Rochester, New York, from 1830 to 1831 has been called the greatest year of spiritual awakening in American history. And someone did a follow-up study of those reportedly converted under Finney's preaching and found that years later, 80% of those who made professions of faith gave evidence of true life change. So how do you account for the effectiveness that visited this man in his ministry? And to what can we attribute the, the amazing harvest God accomplished from his preaching? And if you were to ask Charles Finney, he will point to one man who partnered with him in his crusades, Daniel Nash. Daniel Nash attached himself to Finney for the purpose of prayer. 
when Finney was invited to speak in a city, Nash would arrive three or four weeks early. He would rent a room, and we would find a small group of like-minded Christians to join him and start a prayer meeting to plead with God for souls. Once the public meetings began, Nash usually did not attend. In fact, what he would do, he and his group, they would stay hidden away. And they would agonize in prayer for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to melt the crowd. And Finney and Nash traveled thousands of miles together and and in prayer and in proclamation of the gospel. And then in the winter of 1831, Nash took ill, and on December 20th of that year, while he was on his knees in prayer, he died at the age of 56. Finney asked, shall I tell you how Nash died? He died praying more and more. He, he used to take the map, and he would look at the map in all the countries of the world, and, and he would spend time praying over those countries and praying for the people of those countries. And he, he spent time praying all the way up to the very end where he passed away while praying on his knees. Can you imagine? Today there's a marker on a neglected grave in a cemetery near the Canadian border that reads, Daniel Nash, pastor, laborer with Finney, mighty in prayer. Mighty in prayer. He, He never had the limelight, the stage, or the accolades. But he made a difference in this life and in the life to come because he believed in the power of praying together. See, we have to pray with purpose. And I wonder, what about you and I? Do we pray with purpose? Or do we just kind of, it's something on the back burner, something that we do before bed, something we do before meals, but it's, it's not really part of our Christian walk. It's not something that we gravitate to. In fact, just, just yesterday at the men's prayer bre- breakfast, uh, we were praying, kind of, we were just having a little silly conversation about my son, uh, who, Brooks, who's seven, and he's 47 and a half inches tall, and he wants to go on a water slide. Uh, when we take a family vacation here in December, we have to be 48 inches tall. And so we were, as, as men at this table, we were figuring it out how he's going to, you know, be 48 inches. We we're talking about stretching him out and, you know, all these kind of funny, silly little conversations. And then one person said, well, we should maybe pray about it. Like, wow, that's, that's, a good, that's a good idea. We're at a men's prayer breakfast and we could pray about something that would be miraculous if Brooks grows, you know, another half inch in the next three or four weeks. But the reason the conversation came up is because Brooks likes to go to men's prayer breakfast at seven years old so that he can drink coffee. So he didn't drink coffee yesterday because that stunts his growth. You all know that, right? And so here's Brooks, and and we, we, we go, and a lot of times we forget to spend time in prayer. We don't communicate with our Father. And guess what verse 2 of chapter 4, Colossians says? It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. In this definition of devote, it, it means to give all or a large part of one's time or resources 
to a person or activity or cause. And I wonder how much of your day is spent in communication with the creator of the universe. Because that's what it is. That's what prayer is. It's communication. It's talking to the God of creation. Are we devoting ourselves to prayer? And then as these verses talk about, watching. Are we watching to see how God moves? Because that's what it says. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Are we watching to see how God moves through our prayer time? Are we in communication with God throughout our day, similar to verse 3, where it says, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Are we praying for one another? Are we praying to see God use us? Are we alert, watching to see how God is going to give us opportunities to share Jesus with people? We should be praying with diligence. We should be praying with awareness, and and we should be praying with gratitude. And it's amazing how God, through the Holy Spirit, you know, brings these verses to us the Sunday right before Thanksgiving. That when we pray with thanksgiving, with grateful hearts, it moves the focus off of us and it puts it on the God that we serve. And and guess what happens when we pray for God to open doors? He does. He does. In in this first service, uh, someone says, uh, when I asked that question, he said, they said, he does, and that's what I have in my notes. He does, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. It's interesting to me as you, as you read these verses that we've gone through the whole book of, of Colossians pretty much, and this is the first time that we hear from Paul that he's in chains, that, that he's a prisoner, that, that he's in jail, and you would think, well, man, Paul, wouldn't that be the first thing that you would let a church know about? Let them know that, hey, be praying for me because I'm in chains, I'm in prison. And it's interesting, as you read these verses, he says, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message. And if I'm Paul, I'm thinking, hey, could you guys be praying that God would open a door of the prison, right? I mean, that's what I would be praying. Like, could we open some doors, God? And the door that I'm looking for, first and foremost, is the door to the prison, because I want to get out of here, but not Paul. No, what Paul asked for is that God would open a door for him to share the message of Jesus Christ. And I think what Paul is basically reminding us of is that even though he's in a bad situation, Even though things are difficult for him where he's at, he wants to share Christ right where he's at. And sometimes I think as Christians, we pray to God that, God, would you take this away from me? This struggle, this difficulty, this hard situation, this, this struggle that I'm going through, God, would you take it so that I don't have to deal with it? And Paul's saying, no, that's not what I want to be praying for. What I want you to be praying for is that I have an opportunity to share the truth of Jesus Christ with who's ever willing to listen wherever I'm at, whatever I'm going through. No matter what difficult thing you're going through, no matter what tough circumstance, pray that God would use you in that tough circumstance to share Jesus with someone. Let God use you right where you are at because a lot of you are going through some tough stuff. If you wait to get out of that tough stuff before you can start being used by God, that's not 
how it works. God wants to use you right where you're at. And right where Paul was, was in prison. And what he asks is that the door might be open for him to share. And as he's asking for that, you look at verse 4. Because I think sometimes we make excuses. We're like, I don't really know what to say, God. You know, I, I, I kind of have an idea, but, you know, I, I don't really know. I mean, what if I say something wrong? What if I mess it all up? It's kind of like people with computers. Like, oh, I don't know what to do with this computer. If I push a button, the whole thing blows up, you know. And sometimes Christians are like, I don't know what to say because if I say something wrong, the whole thing blows up. No, guess what? God's going to be with you in and through all of that. And, and if you get nervous about that, Paul says, pray about it. You kind of go back to the first thing, you know, this idea of pray with purpose. Verse 4 says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And so here is Paul, the apostle, someone that is very godly, someone that is impactful. And, and I'm just picturing, like, why is he he's praying this prayer? Like, it would make sense for me to pray that prayer because, man, I can, I, I have a hard word saying the word physical. My wife's like, it's physical. And I'm like, physical, physical, physical. I don't, I don't know, you know, I want to preach clearly, okay? But it, English is hard, you guys, okay? It's not easy sometimes to, to preach clearly, and that's what Paul prays for. He, he prays that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. You can go to God and say, God, I don't know exactly what to say to this person, but I'm asking that you help me preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus clearly. And if Paul's asking for that, man, I need to be asking that a thousand times more than what Paul would need to be praying that prayer. And so I covet your prayers. I covet your prayers because what happens next Sunday morning when I stand up and share God's word and what will happen week after week as we go through the year, it, it depends a great deal on your prayers. Your prayers make a difference. And so we need to pray with purpose. Pray that no matter what your circumstances, you will be alert and ready to share with someone about the most important thing in your life. And that you'll do it in a way that is easy for someone to understand. And so pray with purpose. If you're going to see God open doors to share Jesus with someone, then it starts with prayer. And then we must walk with purpose. Walk with purpose. Pray with purpose. Walk with purpose. And I, I read a story of a man that got saved as a young adult, and he was so excited about what Christ was doing his, in his life. And, and for several months, several weeks, he, he just spent time telling everybody about that difference that, was, he was, that Jesus had made in his life. And so one Sunday night, he was at a church service, and as they were at this church service, they sang this song. And it's a song that maybe you know. I, I remember singing it uh, growing up. It's Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep over the erring one, bring them to Jesus. Tell the poor sinner that Jesus can save. Man, this, this young man, he heard that song and he got so excited that as soon as the, the service was over, he rushed up to the pastor and said, Pastor, I'm ready. And the pastor looked at him and said, well, what, ready for what? And he said, man, I'm ready to go rescue the perishing. Let's do it. I mean, he was enthused. He was ready to go. And the pastor looked at him and said, 
Well, that's not something that we really do. That's just a song that we sing. Man, that cut me to the heart when I read that story. Is that what we're about as Christians? Just singing a song, but not really living it out? And, and it wounded the ma- that man's spirit for many years until he realized that the normal Christian life is to be excited about rescuing the perishing. And I wonder for us this morning, are, are you excited about rescuing the perishing? Verse 5 Verse 5 again says, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Verse 5 should encourage us to, to, be, to have practical wisdom in dealing with people who are not Christ followers. And as we're reaching out to non-believers, you know, I think we have to have a mentality when it comes to who we are in Christ and how we're supposed to be interacting with these individuals. I think there's a few words that really ought to describe us as Christians as we're reaching out to a non-believer. Words like winsome and, and attractive and appealing and fascinating and captivating and interesting and endearing. You know, as Christians, Paul tells us that we, man, we, are, we have it. We have everything that we need for this life and for eternity. And in verse 5, again, from the New Living Translation, it says it this way. It says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. This word opportunity, you know, you think about it. When God opens the door for us to share, that's our opportunity to make friends for God. To make friends for God. And how many opportunities to share with our friends do we miss? We miss those opportunities. And many times the opportunity is right in front of us. Or or maybe it's right next to us. The opportunity may work in the grocery store. The opportunity may cut your hair this week. The opportunity may be someone who is sick or lonely. or, Or maybe it's someone at the gym that you attend. I've heard people say, make excuses that my faith, my faith is a private matter. Well, if it's private, it's not a New Testament faith, okay? It it might be personal to you, your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ. It might be personal, but it's not meant to be private one bit. Walk with purpose. Walk with purpose. Look for the opportunity, Making the most of every opportunity, this verse says. The phrase really means an intensive buying. Man, this struck a chord with me as I was studying this out. Intensive buying. Maybe some of you have experienced that. Every opportunity is to be snatched up like a bargain. Okay? And my wife is really good at making the most of every opportunity at the store when things are on sale. All right? Okay? She's really good at that. When she finds a a good deal, she snatches it up. And that's what this verse says. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. It's like a bargain. you got to snatch it up. I don't know if you've experienced uh, for a time, like Walmart puts like tennis shoes on sale for a dollar, okay? We, 
These ones might not be a dollar, but I have several shoes that I wear that are dollar shoes because Autumn found this deal and she snatched them up as quickly as she could. All right. She's really good at that. And some of you have experienced that as well. Maybe you've come home and your spouse is like, what what were you doing? I was like, I was shopping. Like, well, how'd it go? It went really well. Look at look at all the stuff I got. And they they have an armful of 10, 10 umbrellas. You're like, it's you and me, dear. Why do we have 10 umbrellas? Well, it was a really good deal. They were on sale. I had to snatch them all up, you know? And, and, and you think about that when it comes to reaching out to people. The opportunities that, Je- that God gives you to share Jesus is supposed to be like this intensive buying. You, you just have to buy it because it's such a good deal, right? And the same is true when you want to share some, the truth about Jesus with someone else. To introduce your best friend to someone else that doesn't know him. And I think we make it so much harder than it needs to be. Because that's really all it is. It's taking what you find the most important thing in your life, in your relationship with Jesus, and just saying, have I ever introduced you to the most important thing in my life? Like, well, who, what's that? Who's that? Well, it's Jesus. Well, where's he at? Well, He's the son of God. He's spirit. So he's not right here physically in front of you. But he, you know, and so you have this opportunity to share how Jesus has impacted your life. But you can't make the most of the opportunity unless you conduct yourself with wisdom, it says. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Your life, the way you walk, it has to be on purpose. It it can't be just however you want to go that day. No, you got to wake up walking with purpose our lives ought to give non-believers a positive impression of the truth about jesus man we, we can't give the world a reason to criticize or gossip about our lives a blameless life lays the foundation for an effective witness and as you hear that you're like yeah charles but i'm not perfect you're right you're not and neither am i but that's not the point none of us are perfect But the question comes is, are we doing our best to live lives of integrity in Christ Jesus? Lives of integrity in Christ Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live faithful lives for him. Holy lives. Holy, many of you know, meaning to be set apart. To be set apart. We aren't supposed to look like or act like, or as verse 6, as we get to in a minute, says, to talk like the rest of the world. We're not supposed to be that way. We are constantly under the critical eye of those that are Paul deems as outsiders. What will give them a favorable impression? What's one sign that we are conducting ourselves wisely? How can we make the most of our opportunities? And I just want us to look at verse 6. Where it says this, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We need to talk with purpose. We need to pray with purpose. We need to walk with purpose. And we need to talk with purpose. And I'm, I'm sure that you found you know, certain individuals that you've come in contact with and they share their faith in an obnoxious way and it, it's, it turns people off. And it, it's one of those things where it's unfortunate that that kind of approach, it, it doesn't really work. It's unwise. It, it doesn't really make a difference. 
And I just want to say, let's face it, there's going to be some people that you share your faith with that are just going to say no. But I want to encourage us this morning that we make sure that we use our talk and our walk to have an impact on the people so that if they so choose, they're tuning out the message, but not the method. That we are doing it in a way that shares truth with people in love. Verse 6 talks about salty speech. Many of you have heard maybe many sermons about that idea that you think of the uses of salt. Salt was a preservative. And that means that our words ought to act as a purifying, wholesome influence, preserving a decaying culture. And so the crude, coarse, profane, swearing talk with outsiders, it's got to go. It, it can't be something that we continue on in because our speech is supposed to be different. We're supposed to have salt that's adding flavor in our conversations. That means that our conversations with outsiders should be enjoyable to them, just like food is made tasty with salt. And so if you have a dull, holier-than-thou approach to sharing Jesus with people, that's not what Paul says is going to be the most effective. Work at making your witness interesting and vibrant. We should be excited about our faith in Jesus. And I looked at several other versions of verse 6. Listen to these from the contemporary English version. Colossians 2.6 says, be pleasant. Be pleasant. Ah, oh, man, that's a struggle for some of us, isn't it? Be pleasant and hold their interest. When you speak the message, choose your words carefully and be ready to give answers to anyone who asks questions. From the New Living Translating, Translation, Colossians 2.6, let your conversation be gracious and effective so that you will have the right answer for everyone. From God's Word Translation, Colossians 2.6 says, everything you say should be kind and well thought out so that you know how to answer everyone. Your speech it has a huge impact when it comes to influencing people for Jesus. Your life is the only Bible some people will read. And, and the word answer here in, in verse 6 implies that outsiders will ask about our lives. People ought to ask us about our lives, and so I'm not trying to you know, point any fingers or, or know exactly what's going on in your life, but if people aren't asking you questions about how you live the joyous way that you live, then maybe your life isn't attractive enough. You need to know how to answer each individual. And the same answer, it's not always going to work in every case. Your conversation must be appropriate for and exactly adapted to each individual that you talk with. So as believers, we must pray with purpose. and We need to walk with purpose and we need to talk with purpose. And I believe when we do those things, man, God is going to open some doors in your life that you never imagined God would open. And some amazing things are going to take place. But it, it starts with our willingness every day to live with purpose. 
So as the praise team comes, maybe, maybe you don't really have a relationship with God, and maybe as you hear that term outsider or non-believer or not a Christ follower, maybe you kind of put yourself in that category, but maybe this morning that's not where you want to stay. And if that's you, would you lean in and, and listen to God's voice in your life as I close with this? There's a small metal door painted white in the side of a tiny mission church in Johannesburg, South Africa. This door is changing lives. On it are painted the words, Door of Hope. That is exactly what it is for various babies within the city. On average, some 40 to 50 babies were being abandoned on the streets to die of exposure or starvation a month. That was before the mission installed their door to a baby bin, allowing mothers to anonymously deposit their unwanted babies and have someone love them and care for them. Now the mission is saving over 100 babies a year. What an incredible door. And I know of another incredible door that takes in the unwanted, saves lives, and brings hope. And that door is Jesus Christ. Jesus, and maybe the door that you need to walk through is the door of Jesus Christ, saving you from your sins. You don't want to continue in the, in the junk and the filth of this life but you want to have hope for eternity and, and maybe you brought a lot of baggage in this morning and you don't know how to lay it down and I would encourage you to lay it at the feet of Jesus and allow him to take your sin and your shame, your despair, your depression, whatever you're dealing with this morning, just lay it down at the feet of Jesus. If you need to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, then we'd invite you to come this morning. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you over the junk that you're dealing with in your life. Or maybe you see God opening the door for you to work alongside this congregation and you want to place your membership with this congregation. We'd invite you to come as we sing this morning. Will you stand with us?